Welcome to the Sum It Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and a bunch of other stuff. So today we have a bit of a... Uh, I don't even know what to say about this, but you have not heard the news about the Avatar, The Last Airbender live-action series on Netflix. Um, yeah, he's talking to all of you. All of you have yeah. not heard, including <laughs> me. General you. Including yes. me. Mostly me. You're the, you're the one that matters in this moment right now. Oh, oh so, my gosh. Thank you. Someone get a camera. So, oh, man. So I, I, I want to tell you something about the progress of that show, and I, I need you mm-hmm. just to be open-minded about it. Now we're going to get your, your take on it in real time. Open-minded, um, okay. Yes. So initially, how, how do you feel about the fact that there's a live-action Last Airbender being produced on Netflix? Oh, man. I mean, after M. Night Shyamalan, I mean, you know, the only way you could go is up. However, I am always skeptical about, uh, you know, projects that I'm uh, uh, to this degree where it is screwed up. So I I just I don't I, I'm just hopeful. I'm hopeful is the word. But I also I also know Netflix's track record with movies and they usually do a pretty banger job considering the last three four years so i don't know i'm hopeful why what happened so you know how the creators of the original tv show were were signed on with it and they've been working on on producing it for the last two years i remember that it's it's coming to me now yes yes so they said in a statement as of june of this year they have decided to exit the project. Ooh. Yeah. So Michael uh, DiMartino is one of the creators, made this announcement on his website. I'm just going to read you a couple ex- excerpts from it. Uh, I, Yeah. And then I've got a couple different angles I want to take this from. Wow. Uh, the, specu- it's... the speculative juice is just running through <laughs> my veins, and I, 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 I can't wait to get on the soapbox. Yes. Yes. So this is what uh, Michael DiMartino said in his statement. Um, And I'm just going to skip around. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's very long. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he said, when Brian and I signed on to the project in 2018, we were hired as executive producers and showrunners. In a joint announcement for the series, Netflix said that it was committed to honoring our vision for this retelling and to supporting us on creating the series. And we expressed how excited we were for the opportunity to be at the helm. Unfortunately, things did not go as we had hoped. Um, Basically, they go on to say that they're very collaborative people. Not all the ideas have to come from them. Um, they just try and go with the flow. But because of what happened with M. Night Shyamalan, they don't say this explicitly, but because of what happened with the movie, they had a very strong stance on they wanted to have creative control over the entire project because I think what happened with the movie was... M. Night brought them on to be producers and to um, advise on the film and then basically just use their name to push the film and change people like the way that characters names were pronounced, changed the story, uh, changed everything about the whole film uh, to make it come crashing down. So they were obviously very burned about all this. Um, And so they go on in the statement to say, who knows? Netflix's live-action adaptation of Avatar has the potential to be good. Uh, It might turn out to be a show that many of you end up enjoying. 
but what I can say for certain about it is that whatever vision ends up on screen, it will not be what Brian and I had envisioned or intended to make. Um, mm. I also want to make that clear that that does not mean the end of my involvement in the Avatar universe. These stories and characters are important to me, and the renewed interest and excitement in Avatar and Korra has been inspiring to see. Um, he's very upset about it. Very, He says this all with a very heavy heart. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a giant passion project for him. So just given that initial statement, what are your just right off the cuff? What are your re- what are your reactions? So Avatar has always had a troubled development. And what I mean by that is not troubled development as far as like, oh, the ideas. I mean, faith from the people putting it out. And I, I mean, the people who pr- produce it. And I'm looking at Nickelodeon. So Nickelodeon has always had issues with Avatar. uh, And despite that, they put out an excellent show that even adults now, people who are in the media, who are on the online media game, who have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender, I'm watching more reviews come out of like, how have I not watched this show? This show is great. Even though it's like really campy, this show is amazing, teaches a lot of good themes. I love the the art style they talk about the story the elements it's great so in this i there is a lot of faith in what they created and even though dave filoni is not on the project um because i know some star wars people will be like dave filoni is not on it that's why, why it doesn't work that might not be the case i i see this as um I just I just see it as more Nickelodeon type of stuff where probably executives don't understand uh, people who are at the top or Netflix are like, oh, you need to have this. You need to have that, you know, or the, or, or the it's vice versa where Netflix is listening to this and like the pitches of how live action is going to go. And they're like, "Ooh, this doesn't go too well. And I, you know, we're never going to know the details. And I also do believe because this is live action and not animated you run into a lot different problems and even dave filoni said when he was doing mandalorian he was like i'm learning a lot of different things like you know he wasn't the big guy on on the set except for the fact that he knew star wars but as far as like doing live action he he was getting he was you know getting into it at that point and so i i'm more inclined to believe in the creators of this but at the same time I do believe doing live action and it's your first time doing something like this at the helm for live action. I, I do give that, that caveat and I do say it with a grain of salt. I, it could be both sides, but seeing as how avatars always had an issue, uh, I'm going to say to, to blame the people who are putting it on their platform. I'd say you got to blame Netflix. Got to blame Netflix. You know, they're, I mean, we don't really know the story about like what exactly has happened. We just know that they're leaving the project over creative differences. Um, I will say, in Netflix's defense, they have invested a lot of money and time into original retellings of of other cinematic universes, like the um, the Dark Crystal that they just put out this past year, or within the past year, was done incredibly well. And Jim Henson, I think his family at least was incredibly proud proud of the project and i think jim henson himself would have been very proud of it 
um, the quality, the craft of it all, the attention to detail was just spot on and really made it enjoyable to watch. Um, and so they they have a history of giving people creative control who who they believe in, and they have they have a history of producing quality products um, when it comes to that type of thing. Now, granted, like there are a couple films that are just pumped out, like um, Six Underground. I think extraction to a degree um, that they just want to have like action movies pushed out to try and draw more people in, and those really aren't the best quality. I think there's there's an a, a endearing factor to them, um, but they're, I think they're a different breed than these more fantasy driven stories like Avatar and like The Dark Crystal. Um, so for them to invest in bringing the original creators on the show and spend all this time in pre-production and to say that they're going to cast age-appropriate people and have an ethnically diverse cast that's going to accurately reflect the people in the show, it sounds like they're really trying to fix what what has been done in the past. Um, So on paper, up until yesterday, this seemed like it was like a shoo-in for a lot of success, a lot of acclaim, that it was going to be really well done, and then this just kind of blindsided people. Um, I mean, as far as creative control differences go, what do you think that they could have been arguing about? Oh, boy. Well, that's... There's so much that goes into it. Set design, costume, uh, who are you picking as your cast members? We've never heard of this person, you know. it, it, It... you know, Netflix, the the thing that Netflix has going for it is that their process works. And uh, I can, the only way I see this failing is if these executives don't get it. Like, the executives are like Sony-style executives from like 10 years ago, or if they're the executives from, you know, Warner Brothers, because we know how great they are. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, that's... But that's the only knock I got on Netflix. I mean, these guys are brand new to this type of thing. So you, uh, John, it's so weird. And at the same time, I don't need live action Avatar. The series itself is great. You know, make, they made a video game, make a better video game. If you're going to put it, if you're going to put it on, you know, the big screen, you know, why do a, uh, uh, a live action show just do a movie or do a different adventure something else you know you already have this animated uh masterpiece and if the reason why you want to make it live action is because people don't take animated that seriously and spider spider-man into the spider-verse uh for its oscar nominations would prove you that that is true some people don't take it with validity uh because it is animated you know does it really matter is it so you can have a job? I understand that. It's like, hey, we want to do live action. I want to keep the revenue stream going. I totally get it. But, I mean, to say that I'm angry, I'm not. To say that I'm disappointed, sure. But the fact that this fell apart makes sense. And, John, I, I'm curious. Do you think that the issues that Avatar has had while at Nickelodeon, that, that of course, they would transfer over to Netflix as well? Well, I mean, it's two completely separate studios, and while I don't think that they realized the gem of a show that they had when the original series came out, um, when Korra came out, 
the first season was done by a different studio and it and I remember reading that it was supposed to just be um, a couple uh, like short short films basically like it wasn't supposed to go to series it was just supposed to be these long excerpts of a storytelling kind of procedural um, but then when they were producing it in the middle of it all they realized oh no 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 this actually has to become a show this is getting really good um, so they they pushed it to series and and that kind of made the the first season a little wonky because it was it wasn't to the animation um, the the animation wasn't to the same degree that the previous show was but then by the second season they picked that back up with the original uh, producing company and animation studio and they got back on track the issue I think with Korra came or one of the issues that with Korra came with uh, the third and fourth season oh man it was that, awful well quality wise I I have feelings on it but um, they rather than putting it on air net or Nickelodeon was really trying to push everything going online and so they they only released the third and fourth season online which really limited the amount of viewers that they got well they Um, weren't they weren't they weren't originally going to release them online they were originally like yeah the show's done and -hmm. because i remember watching it live i remember being you know being a fan of cora because of a friend who said like you need to watch cora if you're a fan of the last airbender they said skip season one so i never watched season one i just read about it because i heard it was really bad and that season two was so much better and i will admit season two was really really good and it got better in season three and season four is eh, it's okay but that's just my opinion i do i do see i remember watching it you know watching season two be like this is great and then season three and they're like nah you know we have it lot we're gonna have it air on this date and then they're just like you know what it, it's not working out we're not gonna air it and then they had to come up with an answer to all the fans who are pissed off so they had to put it online and then they said you know what we're gonna release the font fi- and this is happening in season three and then they're like you know what with for season four we're just gonna release it all online because they're they were getting angry that people weren't watching the show but they had the show on a terrible time slot because everything in nickelodeon has to be result revolved resolved revolved around spongebob so legend of core is coming out at like nine o'clock at night it's like that's not the prime time to watch cora put it on at like 7 30 7 o'clock or eight o'clock you know is at least that's how i'm remembering it and you know what uh you know victory is written in the eyes or history is written in the eyes of the victor and so that's how i'm remembering it and i'm painting <laughs> nickelodeon as the villain as they should be nickelodeon is a villain so uh that is what i remember from it and it, it's terrible what happened to cora uh and that's what i'm transferring here even though it's done by a different studio you have fans you have a universe that people love and uh you just continually it's continually in a in a production hell and i I, I want to know why. So I I have a couple thoughts on what may happen next or maybe the reasons why. Um, but these creators, when they left, they also said, I mean, like I read that, um, that they, their, their work with the Avatar universe has not come to an end. They still have stories to tell. So that to me says, even though we're not a part of this live action retelling of, of our original story, we're, we're going back to the cutting or to the drawing board and it tells me that they're probably going to do more animated shows um whether that be set in the future after Korra or whether it be like a prequel of one of the 
one of the previous avatars they they've set up this long line of just rich storytelling history to pull from um so they they could i know they just did a bunch of uh comic books for this character they could have they could do a live action or a um an animated kiyoshi series um they could go even farther back and explore one of the previous avatars or you know they could listen to us because we pitched the the next series for them they could take one of our ideas oh yeah that's right (laughs) well i mean john that goes back to you know when we originally talked about this, you know, was I excited? I I want live action. That's exciting. Like I imagine it in my head, like all like the imagery, the, the fun of bending fire, water, air, earth, you know, that's so cool, you know, to put that on the screen would be a phenomenal feat. But I I have to ask the question, do you really need it? Is this series not good enough animated john see and that's the thing for them to tell an interesting story and i've said this i don't even know how many times about about remakes and redos but if you're going to rehash a story that already exists in another medium you need to tell it in a unique and in a different perspective and in a different way so if they're going to do uh, since they are doing live action i should say if if it's just going to be a beat for beat rehash of it they're going to lose fans instantly like the the newness of seeing the bending in real uh in in a live action format um is or the novelty of it all is going to fade very quickly if it's if it's the same story we've already seen but if it's um uh if it's it's like the original material but kind of a new spin on it and a, almost like a modernized tale for a different type of audience um kind of like what they what they ended up doing with with game of thrones uh changing the story down the line and what they've done with um umbrella academy from the original comics then that is interesting to me give me the universe but give it to me in a different way that i haven't already seen um so no we don't we don't need it if it's the same thing and really we don't need it to begin with but we want it and if if we are going to have it i want it to be different enough to be able to stand up on its own and not rely on nostalgia to draw in, in audience. I want it to be high enough uh, of high enough quality to to be its own entity apart from mm. the cartoon. Yeah, I mean that uh, that's the best advice. You know, even though we you know you want it, you know, do it something different. I mean, there's one company that's kind of realizing the fault of doing it this way, and that's Star Wars. Um, and the way they've tried to, re- it's like, we're going to do, we're going to do another trilogy and it's going to be like the same thing. And it's like, people are like, huh? Okay. And they're like, we're going to bring back the emperor. And people are like, huh? Okay. And I was excited for the emperor. Cause like, man, how are they going to, you know, bring back the emperor? It's like, how are they going to do it? And then they, they, they fell straight into a they like they had the the classic like cartoons sunday or the saturday morning cartoons where it's just like going back and forth between a shovel and a rake and it's hitting you back and forth as you step on it and it just pops up and whacks you in the head basically disney <laughs> was doing that back and forth with star wars and it's it's so so terrible but you know when it comes to this with avatar you know like i said i it's, it's about the need and the want and do I need it? I I'll take something else. Like you can't you can't make Dragon Ball Z live action 
not now, not in this day and age. You could probably do it in like 20 more years when cinematography has advanced even further. But for right now, no way. No way am I going to watch a Dragon Ball Z live action, even though they made it. We don't really talk about it. Ain't that right, John? Exactly. We That which we do not speak of. That which um, we do not speak of. It is interesting right. that you brought up Star Wars, though, because that that segues perfectly into my next point. Of, Ooh. Um, so with with Netflix having this creative disagreement with with the creators, what if and I don't necessarily agree with this idea, but what if uh, we're we're falling more towards the George Lucas aspect of it all and it's going to be like a prequel situation where he has he had too much creative control and wasn't reined in and explored too many things that the audiences didn't actually want to see. So what if, and again, not my personal opinion, just a what if, um, Mm -hmm. what if they are trying to push for too many things that Netflix doesn't believe is what the audience actually wants. And maybe they're trying to get more into like trade negotiation type of things in the, (laughs) in the avatar universe. The Um, new Republic. Maybe what is it? Republic city (laughs) or standing their ground because what they know is right. And the creators are too um, buried in their own content to see the big picture. Well, they already did it with Korra. Korra was... There were a lot of political aspects to it. You know? Uh, compared to the to the Avatar, when there's when it's about... When the last Airbender, when it's about, an, uh, you know, good versus evil in its entirety, and, you know, there being talks about redemption, which is a great story element, when it's talking about... How do you do something that's against your morals? That's also a great story element. But when I watch Korra, there's not a lot of develop. It's a lot of macro, macro issues. It's a lot of big issues. You know, when it comes to you know, Kuvira and her ambition, or it comes to ending the the Avatar because it you know the Avatar has too much power and all of this and it comes to like religious sex and you know uh and sex like different not really like religious sex but you know what i'm saying john you know the viewers you know didn't want to get it twisted and i, I stumbled in there but you know like different religious groups there we go that's the word i'm looking for groups well with that i think that the original series i mean it was created for eight-year-olds is what the creators have said like it, <gasps> it was a show designed for kids no but but cora kind of grew with its audience and was able to kind of more explicitly talk about the things that the first series kind of generally mentioned and the giant overarching themes of the show. Um, I, I don't think that Cora dealt with bigger issues, like bigger ideas. I think it, it dealt with the same ideas, but just in a more specific way. Um, because you with, with the first series, like you talk about genocide, there's um Sokka is very clearly misogynistic the entire series and he learns and grows throughout the whole whole series yeah that's um, that's growth it's not it, it that's a that's a micro that's a um um that's a smaller more lensed look at a character development what i'm saying is that that Korra is more not about the characters and more about like you know bigger world issues i think Sokka you bring it up Sokka helps solidify my point like concrete attached to my feet as i go down into the bottom of the ocean i mean i cora 
I think went through just as much, if I mean, definitely more character growth, because she in in the second season, well, the first. Okay, let me back up. So every single season, she was oh, posed no. with a new question about her place in the world. The first season talked about how does she fit in in the shadow of Aang, and what is her place and her identity as a new avatar. The second season talked about th- introduced the uh, spiritual element of it all and um, dealt with uh, good versus evil, um, Korra's place in that war and how she could contribute and stop what needed to be stopped. The third season, which I personally love the most, dealt with um, the question of is the Avatar even necessary? And we is the is it the right time to stop the avatar cycle because it, the world has grown on past her um and then the fourth season to be honest i i saw bits and pieces of it but because it was strictly online and uh you had to have like a specific account to set up to have it uh i wasn't even able to finish it all um but i i think that every single season core was was faced with a new type of character growth that they kind of started hinting at in the first season, but I think that they got into a whole new level of it with this new series. I, all right. Last Airbender is original trilogy, Star Wars and Korra is easily prequels. And I don't mean that to knock too far on the prequels. Cause I am on the prequels memes all the time. The subreddit. I love it. It's great. The memes are great. It made the prequels more bearable, made it funny, made it great. Everyone's got camaraderie. Yeah, cool. Yaha. High five. Yeah, slap ass. There we go. But I will say for Korra, she has a little bit of, and I know you're talking about her development, but it's just, it's, you don't, you don't really feel it. You don't, no one relates to Korra, you know, as far as your audience, you know, you see her growth a little bit, but the show asks bigger questions and their solution is, you know, Cora go hits it uh, head on, you know, like, oh, you know, there's a big rock in the way. Let me get a bigger rock. And basically Cora is the bigger rock. And I, I understand like where you're seeing some of the development it, that comes with Cora, with her being less of a hothead. That takes way too long. You know, like I would say Sokka has a better character development than Cora. And that's and I see Sokka's character development as something that's great, but he's not even the top tier character developed in last in Avatar: The Last Airbender. He's not even at the top of the list. So, do you think that they went too specific with the relatability of the characters to where it may have um, kept people from connecting with it as much? I, they just ran into that, you know, Disney Star Wars vibe where it's like, we have a type of Mary Sue and, you know, we're going to throw all these issues and she's be like, I know what to do. And, you know, although the little core ah, isn't too much of a Mary Sue. It's, I don't know. It's it's different. I, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I could definitively say that the original series is better than Cora and Cora is not a terrible series. It's not a bad series. It's not a fantastic series. It's not an amazing series. It's not a great series. It's a good series. It's a good addition to the world to see what happens after Aang. The only... then they did a good thing by not including Aang in it, but 
there are certain elements of Aang that no one really cares about. Like, does anybody really care about Aang's kids and, and their involvement? Because Aang's kids' involvement, which um, I forget their names, really. But I know there's Boomy. I know there's Kira. Kira. Am I getting that? Yeah. Kira. And then there's uh, Talzin. Talzin? Tolzin? Um, Talzin? No. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Any, anyways, he's yeah. he's here. Go ahead. What, what's his name? Uh, there's Boomy, Kaya, and Tenzin. Kaya and Tenzin. There it is. You know their stories. Their part of the story is not really integral to Kira. Or oh, man, I'm just screwing up all over. The, Kira from Star <laughs> Wars. You know, uh, Han Solo loves her. Yeah. Um, but uh, Korra is what I mean. I'm. A, I just their stories are just kind of bland. You know, I think I enjoy the macro issue. I enjoy the idea of Kuvira, the metal bending society and there being a coup and Kuvira speaking from strength and taking the spirit energy out of plants. And I love that, you know, for a season four, even though it was kind of a downer, it's just because Korra really didn't didn't grow too much because she was weak from season three with having metal in her um, the poison uh season three they're talking about do you need an avatar and even though you think you're like well the story focuses on Korra, it's like no it asks a bigger issue in the universe is like do you need this peacekeeper who masters the four elements and you know is potentially the most dangerous person if they're not level-headed which Korra, in the beginning of this whole entire show is not level-headed so I like all of that, and it reminds me a lot of the prequels for Star Wars. So, yeah, that's where we're going to leave it at that. I don't think I answered anything. I'm just telling you my opinion on this. <laughs> I, I just, I love, I love Avatar. I really do. It's just, the series isn't as good, and that's why I'm like, hey, I don't need this extra stuff. Star Wars is a, big, is a bigger thing for me. Star Wars is, 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 the, biggest, is the biggest thing for me. So I'm, I'll be more critical about Star Wars than I will about Avatar. Although I will admit, everyone should watch Avatar because it really is a great story. It, it, it I, I would say that Avatar: The Last Airbender has such good character, has such good characters that it, it because you learn, you learn a lot, and there's a lot of valuable lessons that I think it is better than the original trilogy of Star Wars in some regards and actually you know what yeah for a show versus that trilogy i as a whole piece i would say avatar the last airbender is better so i what i found interesting is is because of the whole resurgence of avatar going back and kind of re-evaluating why it wasn't as big back when it originally aired in the 2000s and it got me thinking that like we have the advantage of being able to just binge watch that whole first series Mm. and when when it was uh in syndication or on um on air i mean like just like any other show kids would just kind of tune into it as they saw it but they wouldn't always watch it in order uh they wouldn't ever always watch every episode so i think for the majority of or for a lot of people at that time we didn't really get the full picture of of the story and we didn't really get to see the full character arcs of all these people and whose fault we is got... it well i mean that that's the Tell limitations me. of of media at the time 
and streaming wasn't really a thing. We It was much harder to, to show something sequentially because you had to tune in at a specific time on a specific day. And if you weren't free, chances are you wouldn't watch that again. I am, I am vigorously shaking my head because guess what? Everyone knew when Lost was on. Everyone knew when Survivor was on Thursdays. Everyone knew that stuff. Whose fault is it, John? You know, you know the answer. <laughs> Whose fault is it? Americans. No. <laughs> it's it's a good guess though i will give you that no it is nickelodeon's fault it is absolutely 100 percent nickelodeon's fault because guess what there was another show not a similar at the same time there was another show that had been doing it successfully for years at a time slot that not many kids would be awake that is toonami and that is dragon ball z the marketing for that show was amazing. And we watched people just scream for most of the time. There wasn't much of a story except just bump a bunch of punching. <laughs> they marketed that so well when they're showing all the high intense cool stuff of beams thrown everywhere. Goku screaming, yeah, you know, turning freaking yellow and stuff like that. Going Super Saiyan and, you know, Krillin getting beat around or maybe throwing the Destructo, the Destructo disc. All these elements are in that marketing. All these cool things and young american boys and and girls too some girls watched that and they were amazed because the marketing was fantastic nickelodeon dropped the ball for this show they have such a cool such a cool concept of bending the elements that's something that a kid would want to do i can't I can't do the Kamehameha. I can't bend water. I want to do that. You have a great concept. And yet, what do they do? They don't show a lot of the Avatar battles. They don't show a lot of the bending for their marketing. They do like, oh my gosh, the Avatar. And they might, you know how in the 2000s they have the still of like the Avatar in the in the bottom left corner where it's like, on next, you know, Avatar. And it's just him with a stick. Mm-hmm. That, that's so boring. This Nickelodeon completely failed and uh, and it's not just you know young boys going to watch this show this this uh appealed to many demographics so like so many demographics this show could have been huge this is like the show that could have been like the fraser for our gener for our generation growing up like it's like everyone knows fraser everyone knows avatar and there's still so many people who are catching up with it right now it is absolutely 100 percent nickelodeon's fault I'll give you it's because they want it to be spongebob well I, so i went back and, and talking about dragon ball z it got me wondering the timeline of it and how much they actually overlapped um with new episodes airing when do you without looking at it when do you think dragon ball z went off the air <sighs> dragon ball z gt no no, no just was- the regular dragon ball z Oh, the regular? So it ended with the Frieza... No, it ended with um, the Majin Buu saga. So, jeez, mm-hmm. I remember watching that saga all the way to the end. Uh, I'm going to say that... All right. All right, Drew. All right, Drew. What I'm going to say, Drew, is I'm going to say... Give me 2006. No. See, that? Oh. this is the thing. This is the thing. So Dragon Ball, the original show that predated Dragon Ball Z, started... Oh, wait, are we talking about Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball? No, 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 I'm just leading up to it. So Dragon Ball went from 1986 to 1989. Dragon Ball Z aired new episodes from 1989 to 1996. That's it. 
So no. everything that we watched was on syndication after the fact. No, 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 That, you're, you're okay. Hold on. Walk it back. Walk it back, John. Walk it back. So, those are releases to a different market. For the United States market, Funimation had to be involved, and that wasn't until much later. Dragon Ball was released to American audiences after showing Dragon Ball Z. And Dragon Ball Z is just Dragon Ball Z, which is the Raditz saga and the the Saiyan saga. And then after that, they made, you know, they continued it with Frieza. After the Frieza stuff is the Cell stuff. And they were then running Dragon Ball, the old 1986 model at that time. Because it all went through Funimation, my friend. None of this had appeared on American audiences during that time. Okay. Okay. Am I I right looking at that? I am not on Wikipedia. (laughs) I could be totally wrong, but I'm taking this shot in the dark because I remember reading about this stuff. So tell... You brought up a good point. Uh, Funimation licensed it out for, for English dub and... Uh, from in 1996, so right after it ended in Japan, but Ooh, but yeah, but the first two seasons only lasted until 98. So even then, they had to re-release it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so the original episodes didn't even air here. But uh, what was it? Six to eight years before Avatar even started. So. This idea that they were overlapping and that the fan base was growing at the same time, Dragon Ball already had this huge history in Japan and then over here in America, and it had this strong fan base from years before that, almost a decade before Avatar even came out. So Mm -hmm. they had the advantage of Nickelodeon knowing there are people that have a a drive and an interest in the show, and Avatar is something new that in a lot of ways it's similar because it's it's like these fantastical um like abilities that people regular people don't have um and it's similar but is it is it strong enough on its own to warrant its own time slot and its own push and yes they buried it a little bit they didn't push it as much as they could have but there wasn't the kind of overlap that i think we initially think that there would be with with dbz and and with avatar which just until i looked that up like that blows my mind because i remember watching dragon ball z like through my entire childhood and i never i never put two and two together with that you watched it you watched on toonami and toonami was on what day john uh that's an excellent question why don't you answer that Okay, so whenever they had new episodes, it would be on Saturdays, John. Saturdays. Saturdays is the key word. Saturdays and would be on, I believe it is after 10 p.m. Because then 11 p.m. would be Adult Swim. No, is it 9 p.m.? Anyways, Toonami happens on Saturday nights after all the normal Cartoon Network programming. So it happens between, let's say, 9 and 11 p.m. Because then Adult Swim comes on afterwards. Or sometimes it would extend after that, if I'm remembering correctly. Because I don't remember all that stuff because Dexter's lab. Anyways, <laughs> um, the thing for Nick and it was, and you would have Toonami come on. Every, I think it would come on every weekday from 10 to 11 PM. So every weekday you have Toonami, you'd have like two episodes of something, whatever, and then go to adult swim. Saturday was the new shit. Saturday was your new content for Toonami. Heck yeah. That's where you get all the cool stuff. New episode of Yu Yu Hakusho. New episode of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, baby. So you got a new episode of Zoids. Yes. That <laughs> yes. was it, dude. So 
Okay. You are you you have kids who are staying up maybe late watching things that are, you know they have their own TV. This is our time, John. Nickelodeon had a show, Avatar, and I remember SpongeBob was on almost all the time. SpongeBob was on eight o'clock to nine o'clock for sure. That never mm-hmm. changed. And then you would have like maybe Avatar come on before that, or you would have SpongeBob that's seven to nine o'clock. Seven to nine o'clock. That's four episodes, John. No, that's four 30 minute blocks with two episodes in each. Whoa, that is a lot of SpongeBob. And then where are you going to put Avatar The Last Airbender? Because you do have fairly odd parents going on at the same time. You do have Danny Phantom. All yeah. these shows that uh, that creator, I forget his name. Is it something Hartman? I Dan forget. Hartman? Dan Hartman? That sounds, Dan Hart. that sounds right. Help, not Phil Harmon. He's dead. But um, <laughs> uh, Dan Harmon. Yes, Dan Harmon. So you have all these shows and, you know, they would do Avatar episodes would never really. They had some reruns, you know, from a certain hour, you know, but a new episode would be like a rerun, new episode, and that's it. You know, you don't have any other reruns going up leading up to it. And I know SpongeBob is the king around, but. The show is just poorly, poorly marketed. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's and that's where and that's where we're gonna leave it because it'd be like, uh, they just have like the avatar with his bison, and I'm just like, cool. No kid is gonna understand a flying bison unless you show me some cool martial arts like stuff flying through the air kind of stuff. The kids, if I throw a, if I throw a flashy spoon down a hallway, kids are gonna be like, <gasps> okay, and if it jingles, it's even better. I'm just being honest. You know, so I don't when we bring up Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z did it like 10 or they did it like six years earlier, eight years earlier, whatever it is when Funimation did it. Dragon Ball Z did it earlier. Nickelodeon had the chance to watch this. And even Dan Hartman says uh, he said it on YouTube videos like all Nickelodeon cared about was the next SpongeBob. So, Mm. of course, of course, Avatar The Last Airbender would get you know the scraps you know it's it's i have to blame nickelodeon when we talk about what goes on with netflix i i have no idea because netflix has proven itself to be somewhat competent but you know they can always move the property to uh something like an amazon you know because amazon's handing off with their shows john you know like the boys we'll see and with cbs all access Cora is on there right now and they they don't have an exclusivity agreement so it's going to stay on cbs while Cora also comes over to netflix tomorrow as of this recording so that this past friday um you're gonna watch the final season yeah man i'm gonna go back and tomorrow morning i'm gonna restart the whole thing of course i am oh man that last scene when you find out oh uh, no no, no. Cor- i know what happens you know about Korosami, don't you yeah of course i do the shippers were right i remember that being huge was that like when that when that aired it was the most it blew up for people who knew how to use the internet where it's just like Korosami, the shippers were right and people were like they did it oh it was <laughs> it was insane it was very funny it was very yeah. funny I'm not funny as like I'm making fun of it, but it was just like one of those things like it's like maybe this is why Nickelodeon didn't want to air this. <laughs> well, okay, so that brings up another interesting point. So with when Avatar went on Netflix originally months ago, mm. it it blew up 
and people started appreciating it and seeing things in a new light. Do mm. you think that Korra or the Legend of Korra is going to have the same impact? Do you think it maybe it's just going to start new debates? Do you think it's going to have a bigger cultural impact now given today's like political climate? Uh, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, Korra... Korra's audience was smaller to begin with. I mean, a lot of people who watched Avatar and thought it was the most amazing thing since sliced bread, some of those people didn't watch Korra. So Korra had limited viewings. And uh, like I said, Korra is a good series. It's not great. It's not fantastic. It's it's not bad. It's not terrible. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I didn't love it. You know, I didn't think, you know, I've already given my opinion on it. But uh, I think having more eyes on it is definitely a good thing. It allows us to see more things that are picked apart. And there are people who put um, video essays all the time about, you know, not only Last Airbender, but Korra has been coming up. And I remember watching an essay about uh, how Aang is a shitty father. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm into it. And then I watched it about how the kids are treated and all this stuff. And I was like, huh. But, you know, how Boomy has no powers, yet Boomy has one of the best introductions in a whole entire Avatar Last Airbender series, and it turns out to be useless to the whole thing, except for a few parts. And it's like, oh, man, that sucks. Uh, so the writing isn't the best. It's a different studio. But, you know, I, I it's good that more people watch it. Maybe we'll get something out of it. Like I said, I think it's a classic, you know, the original trilogy of Star Wars and then the prequels, which is appreciated more today so that's true yeah i'm i'm genuinely curious to see how it's how it's reacted to now because you're right like there were a lot of things that were very controversial at the time that had never been done before on tv and i mean i think they were able to get away with with korsami because it was only aired online yeah And, (laughs) and but with with it being on netflix and and it being so universal on on that streaming service I I personally feel like there's going to be a bigger appreciation for that series now because of that and because of the themes that they introduced that were it was almost like they were pioneering it in a, in a kids show at the time because it really hadn't been overtly done like that before and like things were hinted at previously in the series that there was something going on between Korra and Asami but it was never like explicitly said right until that final moment of the show and mm. I I think that it's going to blow up and be a lot bigger than it was originally because of that. And we're you and I are in an interesting interesting position because we were old enough to watch it on air and appreciate it when the show first came out. But yeah. now now we're going to have that um that perspective of being able to compare both experiences and see our initial reactions and thoughts to it compared to how society reacts to it today or tomorrow well, technically me, well well let me <laughs> well let me ask you this do you think cora has a high chance of getting over how annoying her character is in the beginning kind of like star wars did it with the clone wars and ahsoka or do you think audiences will tune out and when it comes to cora see that's what i'm curious about because I know how I felt about it initially, but I don't know if because like my my interest and taste have have matured over the years, so I don't know if I'm if coming at it from a new perspective <laughs> is going to make it any better or not. And granted, like they they do drive home the fact that she is very stubborn and hard-headed m- over multiple seasons. And th- that bit of character growth I think takes the longest to get beaten out of her. Um but I, I, I'm, 
I'm excited to go back and rewatch it and see if over time I pick up on things that I hadn't noticed originally. Yeah. Uh, and I laugh because it's like, when you mature like a fine wine, my tastes. Yes, I did watch The Irishman and The Boys. Great series. Uh, Orange is the New Black is crap. And so is House of Cards. Not as good. Also, there's a there's a pedophile on House of Cards. Well, yep. there used to be. Used to be. <laughs> used to be. Different now. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but uh, going back to Korra, I, granted, I feel like an outlier a little bit sometimes when people talk about Korra because I didn't watch season one, but I did watch clips of season one after the fact, and I'm just like, I'm so glad I did not watch this. It just I mean, doesn't feel organic in the... Like, I understand at the end, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can airbend, you know, and, you know, that's kind of cool. But for the most part that you mentioned that it was supposed to be like a collection of stories and not like a season with a continuous one. Mm-hmm. After seeing some of the clips, it totally makes sense because it's like, oh, my gosh, we're in the we're in the arena. And then it's like, oh, there's a, a guy who's like blood bends and all this other stuff. It's uh and it, it totally makes sense. Um, so I, I, I can sense why season one is disappointing. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm never going to watch it completely. <laughs> I'm never going to go back and watch it just because it just doesn't interest me. And I'm glad to have had the experience of season two, three and four. OK, well, I'll watch it for you. And OK, I, thank you. I appreciate it. I Were you about to give me homework to watch season one? And I just mm. completely shut it down. Nope. I'm just I will try and sell you on the idea of season one. I'll see if I can do that. Do you think you could sell, like, this is to me what you're trying to do. You're trying to sell me raccoons, asshole, and a stick, and I believe you can sell that to a human being. That human being is just not me. I mean, but it's it's all about the presentation. You you may see it as that, but if you, if you I don't know, there is no down. <laughs> you <laughs> cannot find a smooth enough stick with a nice enough butthole from a raccoon to throw on there and for me to eat it. What about Trash Panda butthole? Trash Panda is better, but no. But see, that's the thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. thing. It's all about perspective. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about presentation, man. Dang it. I've been foiled. (laughs) Dang it. I don't know, man. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about the possibility of that and that series uh in society today i'm also curious to see what the future of avatar is now that the creators have left the live action show um and i'm even more curious to see why they left and what the live action series ends up being um so as we kind of wrap this whole thing up do you have any kind of final thoughts about the creators leaving the live action about netflix's intentions with it or what direction you think they might take it in Hmm. Final thoughts. I mean, it is what it is. After the major, me- this series is just so good. You know, it's just so good. And and I think the reason why I'm okay with it being in development hell and never getting it to me is because the the series, the original series itself, is such a masterpiece that I'm glad they're not going to touch it and screw it up. Um, and even if they made a live action that wasn't true to it and wasn't any good, like I'd still have the original. So at an original that I believe is, is completely great. Um, so 
Am I upset? Am I mad? Am I going to scream at the moon later tonight? No. Am I disappointed? Sure. But, you know, people who are fans of Avatar The Last Airbender should be at least happy that we do have a great series that uh, had a good season, had a great, great season two, a great season three, and a banger of a season four. So, yeah, you know, as corny as it was, it got got better as we aged, and core is good, too. Uh, yeah, you know I'm the, not too upset with this. You know that Avatar never had season four. I mean, season three. Dang it, mm. dang. I said, did I say season two, season three, season four? You never and mentioned because... season two. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's supposed to be season one, two, and three. Yes. Uh, book one, two, and three. That's uh, how numbers work, uh, Excuse me. Uh, book one, two, and three. Yes, uh, proper. Oh, man, numbers are Good hard, catch. I know. Yeah, numbers, number. I'm American. Numbers are hard. <laughs> Even though I, 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 I felt like I used to be good at numbers, and now look what's happened. Yep, yep. That's okay. Well, so what are you? What? <laughs> what are your final thoughts on them leaving this project? What do you think is the future for Avatar? I think if if nothing else, we're going to get more content now because they're freed up to do what they want. Um, so we're going to get their live action series regardless and that doesn't mean that it's going to be renewed for season two or three um it might just be a one and done and that's it um but i i think that if at the very least we're going to get a new avatar series and animation from these creators because uh, it sounds like this is their it's their baby and they want to keep telling stories set in this world and my bet is on uh, a sequel series set in the future um i hope so at least because i want my i want my uh pitch to become reality Mm. but a very small part of me also knows that it's it's probably going to be a prequel because of the way that Korra left off and i don't know whatever um but yeah no i mean i i'm glad that we are around and old enough to appreciate the renaissance of the avatar the avasans I'm trying trying to think of a better way to say that, but, um, I mean, it's a great series. It's a great universe they've created and it, I'm, I'm glad that glad and curious about how this next, uh, how core is going to be reacted to, um, in today's modern climate. And if, if it's any different than we remember it being, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting time to be an avatar fan right now. Yeah. The Bender universe. Bite my shiny metal ass. That <laughs> was just about to, yes. <laughs> I think that's that's the best way that we can end this. So thank you guys for, for tuning in. Join us next week and Chris will be back in charge. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.